My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Trainer. Thanks for joining me. We are going back to the roundtable this week. It's been a while since we have done one. Darren Robell of ESPN was the guest last week. Got some interesting feedback on that. People were fascinated by Darren's Twitter life. And uh, compliments still rolling in, not to brag, but I'm very thrilled about the podcast two weeks ago with John Sterling. Seemed to be a huge hit with Yankee fans. I even heard from some non-Yankee fans about it. So those are in the archives if you want to check them out. Darren Rovell last week, John Sterling the week before. Uh, also, I should say three weeks ago was Scott Van Pelt and Bru- Brent Musburger on gambling. And we have this week Delaware now has sports betting. That was a big story, and it's supposedly coming to Jersey soon. So if you still want to get a little information on the legalized sports betting in the United States, go in the archives, check out the podcast with Scott Van Pelt and Brent Musburger. They were great. And then this week, like I said, roundtable with Austin Karp, the assistant managing editor of Sports Business Daily, and Michael McCarthy, sports media reporter for the Sporting News, a variety of topics, everything from NBA Finals, NFL National Anthem, uh, Get Up, Sideline Reporters, uh, XFL, Yankees, ESPN, a ton of topics. We covered everything. High noon. And uh, you'll hear all that right now with the SI Media Podcast Roundtable, Austin Karp and Mike McCarthy. All right. Joining me now for this episode of the SI Media Podcast, we're doing a roundtable. Two guests joining me. We have Austin Karp, the Assistant Managing Editor at Sports Business Daily. Austin, how are you? Great, thanks for having me. My pleasure. And also on the line from the Sporting News, media reporter Michael McCarthy. Mike, how's it going? Good, Jimmy. Glad to be here. My pleasure. Thanks for doing this. And um, I don't want to spend too much time on the NBA Finals because I have a feeling by the time most people listen to this, they, they'll probably be over with Game 4 on Friday. And I, I, don't, I guess let me start here. Any reason why they went to Wednesday, Friday, Monday instead of Thursday, uh, Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday? Because that confused me this week. Does any either of you have an answer for that? I mean, it, it kind of it, it confused me at first. I, I you know talking about you know the number of households that are watching. It kind of struck me as odd the first year that they did this, but uh, it's tough to argue with the numbers that they're getting. They're still drawing those huge numbers, so uh, you know, tough to argue with the decision. 
I, they're going to get burned. Like you said, the numbers are there, but they'll get burned because there's only going to be four games, maybe five if they're lucky, and then they lose all that inventory. Question for next year, which I think is, 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 is interesting, and I'll go to you, Mike, on this, and then, Austin, you can follow up. What do you think ESPN ABC wants more next season? The Warriors in the NBA Finals yet again, or LeBron with whatever team he's on, it won't be the Cavs probably, but let's say he goes elsewhere. Do they want LeBron on his new team or the Warriors if they can only get one of those things in the NBA Finals next year? I would say LeBron on his new team. Um, I mean, one of the things uh, that's interesting about the NBA and the Finals is we in the media are always kind of second-guessing them. You know, why is there so much time off between games? You know, why are the numbers going up when they're uh, in the finals for the fourth year in a row? But the truth is, LeBron is the best thing going. Right. Uh, the NBA Finals are basically a TV show, and he's the number one star right now in the number one league. So I would say LeBron all the way. Austin? I have to agree. It, it, it's, it's a reality TV-type situation. And if you bring LeBron back on a new team, it's a new angle. And if, if, if they face the Warriors again, I think you'll see the same sort of numbers you're seeing with the Cavs now. The interesting thing is if LeBron does stay in Cleveland, if they can add some serviceable players, unlike what they have now, and make things more competitive, does ABC want Warriors-Cavs yet again next year? Or do they want, or is it time to get a Philly in there or, or Houston and, and give uh, the country some new blood? I would say that uh, they'll take Warriors-Cavs every year. Uh, they're right. the two best teams. They have the best group of players in the league. And again, like Austin said, it's a reality TV show. I mean, it's the difference between, you know, Seinfeld and a lesser uh, TV show. You're going to pick Seinfeld every time. And right now they, they are the best TV show going for the fans. They want to watch it. You know, we in the media are a little sick of it because we're running out of things with storylines. Right. But I think the fans really want to watch it. I think, I think him going to a new team, though, gets you off of that whole fatigue storyline and, and get you get you something new to spice it up and, and really jump the numbers forward yeah um the big story we'll move on from the NBA finals like I said there's not not a ton to say I think from a media standpoint they've been what they've been and um like I said I think ABC and ESPN would love more games but I'm not sure that's going to happen the biggest story obviously this week uh, is the anthem and the NFL Austin, uh, let me start with you on that one. Uh, there's obviously a lot there, but let me start with this. How do you think the networks, CBS, Fox, especially Sunday afternoons, are going to cover this this season with the new rule where teams can stay in the locker room? You know, one thing that gets lost in all this, while everyone wants to, um, you know, have this competition for how patriotic they are, and it starts at the top. And everything now it's about, you know, I'm a patriot, you're not, and I respect it. You know, they don't show the anthem during the regular season. Do you think that changes this year? You know, I, in mine, I think during some of the Sunday night football games or playoff games, they may have shown, you know, images on the field, but I don't think they're going to put like a, have a locker room cam, you know, side by side there to show what the players are doing there. It, it's just, it's a distraction to what is the product again and we're going to have the same storylines again where we're not focused on you know what is going on with our teams and who we're cheering for but instead this issue that uh, we're going to be dealing with again the whole season mike um jimmy i, I think the networks are scared to death of this issue i, I think they yep. will jump 
uh, how high the NFL tells them to do. I mean, when it started last year, I argued and other people argued that there was a news interest here, that they should show the national anthem so viewers could see who was protesting, who wasn't. Then as the year gone on, that there was such a negative reaction to those images on the screen that I heard and I wrote a story that said the networks basically directed their personnel, the camera operators, don't show any booing fans. You know, just show the happy fans clapping like seals in the stands. So, I mean, I think if the NFL gives them the high sign that they don't want any coverage of uh, the protesters or who's lagging behind in the locker room, they will totally avoid it this season. Well, and the, but the, ne- the networks may be, able, may be able to avoid it, but if you have, you know, if there are writers in the stands, they're going to see which players are in the locker room and which are on the sidelines, and it's going to become a story anyway. So the networks, I mean, the NFL could make the, make the networks avoid it, but there'll still be sort of a, a head count going on with the reporters that are in the stadium. So I'm not sure. That's a great point, that Jimmy, and that's exactly what happened uh, this year. I mean, the mm-hmm. networks told... Um, their camera operators and their crews to avoid showing booing fans, but the AP and local papers and local TV stations that were there in the stands reported what was happening, and it was all out there on the the Internet. You you could see all the video you wanted. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's kind of a futile gesture, but I think the the networks are going to rely on the old saw that, look, we don't show uh, the network, the, the anthems anyway unless it's the Super Bowl, and I don't think you'll see anything this year. Austin, the uh, Goodell hasn't said a word this week after the Eagles were uninvited uh, to the White House, mm-hmm. and there are conflicting reports about how many people were going to go. There was a report there was one person, Nick Foles, that he was going. Today, Coach Doug Peterson said he was looking forward to going. Uh, does the NFL have to get their arms around this as soon as possible? It looks like they're not doing anything about it. Is, and is there anything they can do to have this not be an issue week one? What, where does the NFL stand right now, and how much is this going to hurt them as a league? I, I think they're suffering a lot from crisis communications. They've had a lot of turnover there, obviously. You know, Joe Lockhart left, and that was one of his specialties. But, I mean, he wasn't doing such a great job either, which is why, you know, the exit there. So I think they're in the middle of trying to figure out strategy, and it's coming at them faster than they can handle it. From somebody who is more adept at handling the media than the NFL PR staff is doing right now, is it going to be an issue week one? Yeah, it's going to be an issue. You got that's right in the lead up to midterm elections, and so you're going to have a good two months there of the issue. Well, there were reports, and from legitimate sources, AP I know is one of them, and I believe it was Jim Acosta of CNN that they have sources telling them that Trump has said he's going to use this issue and hammer it periodically up until the midterm elections. Yeah. If that- and I don't think you needed sources to tell you that. That's, you know, <laughs> obviously that's common sense at this point. Right. Everyone knows. So, but if that's out there, you would have to imagine, uh, listen, he's got a lot of issues, and I know he does a good job in terms of making the owners money, but in terms of public perception, there are a few people worse than Roger Goodell. But it, the silence this week I find very, very curious. Mike, what yeah, do you- Jimmy, I, I would say that it's not a problem of communication. It's a problem of guts. The NFL doesn't have any guts. They lack the courage to stand up to Trump. Their response has been completely feckless uh, all along. They tried to satisfy both sides, and they ended up angering everybody. And right now, I mean, Trump is like the Terminator with them. I mean, right. he can't be reasoned with. He can't be argued with. He can't be bargained with. 
you know, if they thought they were going to buy him off with this half-assed policy, they're wrong. He's just going to come at him even harder. I got, I got very nervous, Mike, when you used feckless. I, th- I thought there was going to be a word there we might have to beep out afterwards. I don't want to have any, <laughs> no Samantha B situation here. But, Austin, what do you think about, though, wh- the owners in this? Because maybe it's a stereotype. We've seen things. That, I would assume the majority of owners are Trump supporters. Is, is that a false statement, do you think, or am I fair in that statement? You know, I'm not sure, but there's 32 businessmen in that room and women. Right. And they're trying to make a very – they're trying to get to a consensus here, and there are a lot of differing opinions, I'm sure, when you, when you sit in those owners' meetings. And they're just – they can't really figure out what to do. Well, but yeah, because I would assume most of them want to just have the players stand up and end this controversy. And maybe that's a wrong assumption, but I figured – Listen, if you get the, every player to stand for the anthem, the owners would be happy, Trump would be happy, and this issue goes away. But there is this flip side with, I think maybe you have the owners who are not Trump supporters. How, how much are you going to let Trump get away with with dictating what people can do and not do and First Amendment protests, et cetera, et cetera? So I'm, I'm fascinated to see the owners split on this. I wonder if there'll be any stories coming up, especially in the summer when it's a dead time if... Uh, some reporters maybe get to some owners and um, maybe, we, you know, there was a leak in the Times, if I recall, with um, recently where they leaked the conversations owners had about this. I, 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 I have a funny feeling we may get more of that. It was the one about Jerry Jones and yes. how Trump was pushing him and, you know, I'm going to hit this hard sort of deal. Yeah. I, I, I would be shocked if we didn't get more of that. Yeah. The- Jimmy, can I make a point about the owners? Absolutely. Um, I, I agree with you and Austin that I think it's a complete mix. I think there's. You know, some owners who are completely on uh, Trump's side see Jerry Jones, and some owners, you know, who are completely on the other uh, end of the spectrum, like you know, the 49ers and the Jets. But I think what the owners have completely forgotten here is who they are dealing with. This is a guy with an axe to grind against the NFL for not letting him in their billionaire boys club. Right. And nobody can hold a grudge like Donald Trump. Nobody could carry it and fan it and hold it close to his heart for 20 years like he has. I mean, he's like the count of Monte Cristo when it comes to revenge. Right. And right now, I think he's taking his revenge on a league that rejected him. Yeah, it's the perfect storm because you've got, like you said, you hit it, hit the nail perfectly on the head. He, he was livid that he couldn't get the bills. If you go back and look at his old tweets before he was even close to running for president, he, he had bashed the NFL for being soft and uh, you know penalties and the refs and all that. That was all in retaliation to the bills. Uh, he he has a reputation for helping destroy the XFL. And then you factor in how his base loves this topic and they've been, they've been able to flip it from police brutality to the military and the flag. It's the perfect storm. So obviously not going away and um, be interesting to say, I, I think people, people who are on either side of the issue, I think are starting to get a little fatigued by it. I just, I'm just going by numbers that we saw at SI.com this week. Um, but obviously not going away. No, and it's not going away. It's not just the sports channels. Sorry. You're saying it's not just, you, it's not just ESPN. I mean, anywhere you're looking now, your cable news channels, it, it is completely blanketing your TV universe, this, this particular topic. And, you know, you talk about owners, like who could possibly, you know, take the mantle to maybe, you know, talk back against, the president at this point, and maybe it's, you know, the new owner coming into my neck of the woods, David Tepper with the Panthers, who has not been shy in his criticism of the president, you know, and once he gets his feet under him a little bit this summer, 
maybe he kind of takes the mantle of pushing back against the president. Right. I love the jet story. Woody's part of the cabinet, and his son said he's going to pay for the fines. There's so, <laughs> right. so much here. All right, let's get off the anthem. Mike, you wrote, um, forgive me if I don't remember, if it was this week or last week, I don't remember the exact date, but you wrote about Get Up recently and said the pressure is now on them to pick up things before the NFL season starts. And I know they've had some wild ratings bumps and dips in the last week. I know on they had their biggest rating ever, I think, on Memorial Day, which was the day after uh, one of the crazy NBA games. I can't remember now. They all go together. But there was a crazy game the night before. Then it was Memorial Day, so they were able to capitalize on that. And then I think with over 500,000 viewers that day, then twice that week they dipped back down to 250,000 viewers. I know Beatle and Jalen Rose have been on NBA coverage, so they haven't been there. It sounds like a big mess. What do you? What's the latest on Get Up? Where they stand with ESPN? And is it? I mean, do they really need to turn things around in the next two months, or do you think Pitar will give them more time? I do think they need to turn it around. I, I had very good sources on that, Jimmy. And it's, it's simple as this: I mean, a sports talk show like that makes its money during football season. They have to maximize the audience during football season. And if they're getting outrated by SportsCenter AM, which was in the time slot previously which was a much less expensive show with a much less expensive cast, they're going to be in for some big problems. I mean, I I did a radio uh, interview about this the other day, and somebody said, you know, do you think they could really change the cast? I was like, why not? I mean, remember uh, Cold Pizza, Austin, and and Jimmy? I mean, that started off with Jake Crawford and Taya Andrews and uh, Kit Hoover. I mean, all these people that we've completely forgotten about. And, And the cast changed over three or four times until it got to where it is now. So, yeah, I do think they could change the cast. And I'll tell you something. I, I watched a show the last week. You know what I mean? I thought Maria Taylor was great. Okay. So that's interesting. That's, uh, and, and, and if the what I find interesting is, and also I want to go to you on this as well, the one thing, I, in fairness to get up and to the three hosts, I think it's hard to say to them, okay, you got to get these numbers up before football starts. And you're giving them July and August, which are the deadest times in the sports calendar. You're not going to make numbers go up on Major League Baseball. That's just a fact. I think you have to give them a little bit of the NFL season. Austin, what do you think? Well, I, I think that you do get the rest of this summer to to see if you can develop some sort of or a better rapport, you know, after the NBA Finals over amongst those three hosts. And if there's some sort of hope there, yeah, then I think they'll let the, that trio maybe trickle into the beginning of football season. But, but if it's still not clicking, you're going to see either a replacement or you'll, you'll see maybe like they talked about a fourth host coming on. Oh, more hosts. I mean, dipping below, you know, when you're struggling to get above 300,000 viewers, it, it's, it's not a good place to be. With the cast making $15 million. Right. That was a disaster, Jimmy. That, that, uh, whoever uh, you know, leaked that to the Hollywood Reporter, that was a disaster. That is one reason why they've done very little press for High Noon, because they didn't want the show to be defined in advance by a headline or by a preview. And, I mean, as you can see, that show came onto the air this week with very, very little press. That was directly as a result from what I'm hearing of that uh, Hollywood Reporter disaster. I'm glad you brought that up and not me, because I did try to book Bomani and Pablo on this podcast and i was told that they were not doing uh much press so clearly different well the one thing i would say about get up as well um you know again they'll have lebron free agency so they may get a little that could help them a lot but i do think 
you got to give them a little bit of football season. That, that... I, I agree with it, but I mean, we're not talking about them canceling the show. What we're doing is, you know, as uh, I said in that story, you don't change the team, you change the players and the coaches. I mean, one thing that's readily apparent to me and a lot of you is right now is how NBA-centric it is. Now, I know, you know, NBA, NBA is the, the flavor of the moment at ESPN, and they love the NBA. And, you know what I mean? They're anti-NFL, or they seem to be anti-NFL, and, you know, a lot of their stories. But NFL is still the number one sport. I, I think they need a big NFL and or college football personality to round out the cast or maybe replace one of the cast. You know, Cold Pizza, His and Hers, you know, all these shows went through major cast changes before they got a successful formula. So I don't think it's uh, out of the realm of possibility for the same thing to happen with Get Up. It would be a pretty amazing story if they swapped out Beatle for Maria Taylor, just considering, you know, coming into it, a lot of people thought Beatle may have been the number one star of that show. And, um... I don't know. Austin, have you seen it with the with the fill-in hosts while Beatle and Jalen Rose are doing NBA? Yeah. Any thoughts? I've caught it a couple of times, and I, I think she's done an excellent job. I think Michelle's done also a, a, a very good job, you know, holding her own there. But it, it's I, I'm just not I'm not feeling I'm not feeling it yet. And they it's like Mike said they got to figure that out. All right, we'll get back to the SI Media Podcast Roundtable with Austin Carp and Michael McCarthy in just a second. Because first, I have to tell you about my friends at Buffalo Wild Wings. This episode of the SI Media Podcast is sponsored by Buffalo Wild Wings. At Buffalo Wild Wings, they'll admit that they often go overboard with their limited-time offerings. They just can't help themselves. That's right. Take Buffalo Wild Wings' new signature sampler, for example. For $15, you get, ready for this? Listen to this now. Wings, three shareable options, like fried pickles or cheese curds. And then there's their aptly named over-the-top nachos, a literal mountain of crispy tortilla chips loaded with your choice of pulled pork or honey barbecue grilled chicken, corn, jalapenos, and much more. And then, of course, Buffalo Wild Wings tops it all off with their new platinum margarita. Go overboard with us today at Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. Available for a limited time only while supplies last and please, please, please make sure to drink responsibly. And now let's get back to the SI Media Podcast Roundtable with Austin Carp and Michael McCarthy. Sticking with ESPN, different, different sort of subject here. Uh, after the Roseanne Barr debacle uh, a couple of weeks ago, a lot of uh, people who were not happy that Roseanne got fired and a lot of the Trump supporters took to Twitter, of course, where else, and um, were very angry that ESPN, same company that owns Roseanne, had recently brought back or at least announced a bigger role for Keith Olbermann, who we know has strong feelings about the uh, celebrity, <laughs> the celebrity apprentice slightly, host. Slightly, yeah. yeah. So, um, I mean, obviously, you know, facts again, people don't seem to care about them. Roseanne did her thing while an ABC employee. Keith had his tweets about. Trump when he was not an ABC employee. So obviously that would be the main difference. Uh, the reason I bring it up is I was talking to someone, a media person in the business, and he had said it was a mistake for ESPN to bring Keith back for that reason, because people can always use it to sort of um, prove that ESPN has the liberal bias. I thought it was a good move on ESPN just because I like what they're going to do with him, give him some 11 o'clock sports centers and use him here and there on baseball. I think it's a good role for him. He's not going to be ranting and raving 
uh, on on like sort of talk shows. So let me go to you, Austin, first. Good or ma- bad move that ESPN expanded the role for Keith? And do you think this will end well or not well as some of Keith's gigs seem to sort of, you know, it happens with Keith's gigs? I think it was a bad move. Um, I think timing and optics are incredibly important here. I totally respect Keith uh, and his sports knowledge and his broadcasting abilities. I mean, he's, always, he's been incredible for, for decades with, with, with sports. But he, like you said, he's you know, carved out a certain uh, niche for himself you know, in the political landscape. And at, at a time when ESPN is just trying to get rid of that, that you know, the, the stigma that, that has been attached to them for some reason. And uh, it, it's not the best look to bring on Keith Olbermann at this time. Mike, good or bad move that ESPN expanded the role for Keith? Um, I disagree with Austin. I think it was a great move. I think Keith is one of the most talented people ESPN has ever had. I know Skipper, before he left, was trying to get him and Patrick back to do the 6 p.m. Sports Center, which would have been incredible. Imagine a reunion of the big show. But again, we're talking unforced errors here, Jimmy. Why did ESPN have to announce that? They made a big announcement as a big deal. That's what uh, brought on the avalanche of negative headlines. They could have just kept expanding his role. He's been on the air since January. In fairness to ESPN on that one, they didn't know a week after they made the Keith announcement that Roseanne would go ballistic on Twitter and say all these insane things. I don't, I don't think it, it, it matters because, just, I mean, just having him there and knowing what the current political landscape is and, you know, everything that ESPN is trying to get, get away from. Now, maybe if you had brought back Keith, and Dan at the same time to do that sports center, like it, it, it's focused on the two of them together. But having him and making the announcement of Keith by himself, I'm just, I'm just not sure it was the best time to do that. Yeah, and I, I think Austin has a great point, particularly about the political climate. But I think we're overlooking the fact that this is just a, a fatal attraction here, Jimmy. It's like Liz Taylor and Richard Burton. You know, even in that statement, you know, Keith said this is his sixth time working for ESPN. And one of his last uh, times there, he didn't supposedly burn the bridges. He napalmed them. But yet they keep finding their way to each other, and they'll probably be together, you know, forever. It's too bad Keith didn't have any 11 o'clock sports centers this week because it would have been interesting to see how he would have handled the Eagles, White House, brouhaha. Um, you know, I do think my take on it is, you got to give Keith a chance to do that job before you sort of, we know how he feels, but if he does a sports center episode straight through no politics, yes, the Trump supporter who's watching that is not going to be able to stomach looking at Keith. There's no doubt about that. But until he does something on ESPN's air, I think you got to give him a chance, but I I get what you're saying, Austin, about the optics of it. I, I honestly, I think it's inevitable. (laughs) <laughs> you, would, you would think I mean I've got a question for both you guys doesn't it feel like when you're watching ESPN now when you see personalities like Beatle and, and I'm sure this could have to Keith it, it seems like they're straining like they're straining to you know, trying to restrain themselves from saying what they really feel because they've been given a directive uh, by management to keep their mouth shut about politics I, I mean I don't again I one of the crazy things about this for me is I think there's a big difference between what Keith and Jamel and everyone says on Twitter and what they do on ESPN. And I know there are a lot of people, you guys might be them who think you can't differentiate if they're saying this stuff on Twitter, it's part of their sort of personality. It sort of goes with the gig. I don't know. I think it's separate, but that's just me. I'm sure you guys probably disagree if I'm not mistaken. Uh, 
you know, it's yes. I, 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 there is a a certain level of hesitation in in some of the voices, but there, it's them also realizing that they're not here to their viewer isn't there to, to listen to them talk about politics. They go to their cable news networks for that. You know, they're here to talk about sports and they want to talk about that as much as they can. Like the on field stuff. You know, if it's off the field, it's trades or front office moves or things like that. Like let let the politics stay on some other channel. But the only thing I, yeah. I, I push – see, that I push back on because I don't think they go on ESPN and talk about politics unless it has to do with something like the anthem and, and the White House thing. They're not – Jamel Hill is not on, you know, highly questionable talking about, you know, Donald Trump putting tariffs on Canada. So I, I put yeah. – that narrative I think has spun so out of control about, you know, ESPN people and politics because I think it's limited to Twitter and then again it gets, you know, mixed up with what goes on on – actual ESPN. Yeah, you, you have put your finger on it, uh, Jimmy, which is, you know what I mean, what a lot of these critics don't realize is that Jamel Hill and others got in trouble for what they uh, said on Twitter, not what they said on the 6 p.m. Sports Center or, or any show on air. But, I mean, also to make the argument that you could separate your social media feed from who you are as the ESPN personality, I think it's a futile argument. I mean, Bob Lee called Twitter the devil's tool. And, uh, you know, the, the ability of Twitter, you know, to just lure people uh, and make them unmask themselves and say stupid things that can destroy their own career is amazing. I mean, we just have one career after another going up in flames because of Twitter. Well, just because you put in your bio that my, my, these do not reflect the views of my company, I'm sorry, that, that doesn't cut it. Yeah, it doesn't cut it for anybody. I do feel like, I don't know, maybe this is overstating it. I'd be curious uh, for both your opinions on this, but it does feel like. We're, t- we're at some sort of crossroads with Twitter. It does feel like more and more people are either going to go down in flames from this. I, 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 can't, I can't see it getting better. I can only see it getting worse. Or I think you're going to start seeing – you might get to the point where ESPN says to people, you cannot be on Twitter. Do you think we can get – I think – Go ahead. I think we passed the tipping point. I really do. I, you know, I think you know, the thing with the 76ers and Roseanne, you know what I mean, has basically – shown everybody the lesson we're all one tweet away from not only destroying our career but destroying our life right um you know uh, destroying our persona completely so i mean I, I wouldn't be surprised in a couple of years if some companies basically outlaw their people from twitter and social media say you're not allowed to do it austin yeah i i agree i agree there with with mike i mean if they're going to be that public and that representative of the network that they're working for. I, I can see that being part of a, of a standard contract in the future. All right, let's move on from the Twitter uh, insanity. Let's get to the gambling world we're about to enter. Delaware now has sports betting. I heard Jersey may have it by Friday. I, I'm actually a little, I know it takes time, I'm surprised we haven't seen more shows or more talk of shows. I know there's talk like networks will have shows, but these networks, ESPN, FS1, they better get on the ball fast because this thing's coming. It's not stopping. Uh, Austin, do we know anything about shows in the works or anything planned by these networks, or are they all in the planning stages still? You know, you had that show that just launched on ESPN Plus with, uh, you know, Chad Millman, Jeff Schwartz, and some others. Um, if, If a network isn't, close to if, it, if a network like NBCSN or FS1 isn't close to rolling one out then they're way behind the game right. and I have to imagine that they're going to be announcing something soon I should say real quickly so I don't get in trouble with my you know you guys talk about getting in trouble with Twitter let me say quickly 
that SITV uh, has a gambling show. We've had it for a while called The Line with Todd Furman, hosted by Ben Teitelbaum. And they do a really good job of going through games, lines, prop bets, and everything. And that's every week on SITV, which you can find on SI.com. So let me throw that out there. And uh, Mike, the, the gambling thing is going to be huge. I don't think anyone doubts that. Are you, do you know anything about what networks plan on doing with this now? With uh, Is it just going to be shows? Do you see uh, any insight on how they may incorporate it into pregame shows during the NFL season? Well, it's funny. I'm already getting calls from people who are in the business who are like, you know, and how do I get into this? How do I cover it? And the truth is, Jimmy, that, you know, somebody's going to be the Matthew Berry of gambling. You know what I mean? This uh, gold rush, this Wild West is going to create a whole new generation of TV stars uh, who are going to be out there, who are going to know the betting lines, who are going to know Vegas, who are going to know how Vegas operates, know the whales, know sports betting. I mean, I was at a sports conference uh, in New York last week where you know we were listening to all the European experts, and people's jaws were just hanging open. So I think there's going to be a real opening for talent to uh, create stars. I don't think, you know what I mean, you're going to see you know the betting lines right away in something like the NFL because they're always the slowest. But I think in you know some of the sports that have embraced this more, like NBA and possibly MLB, you could start to see more of an em- emphasis on sports betting and gambling in the TV coverage. Yeah, something uh, you know I was I had thought about and I kind of put out there on, on Twitter a while back was I mean this could totally change the face of what the 6 p.m. Sports Center looks like going forward. I mean you're not going to have highlights, but what you're going to have betting analysis for that's not that night's games it, just, it, it makes too much sense yeah absolutely that is a great point I, I didn't think of that often but yeah i mean you know it sets up the game in a whole different way and, and let's face it jimmy what is the one sports center that's doing the best it's got van pelt right you know what i mean he's kicking ass and you know one of the reasons is he deals with sports betting and gambling in a reasonable uh, realistic adult way he doesn't act like it's not going on out there we all know it is right well i would say this though scott scott knows what he's talking about with that if if i love austin's idea brilliant idea it'd be insane if espn didn't do it but you better get the right people on that show to do it you as someone who does wager and has wagered for a long time you if they put people on there who don't know what they're talking about it's not going to be pretty so i you know scott knows what he's talking about. They've got to make sure they get two people, three people, whatever it is, the combination they work on for that 6 p.m. sports. And if they take Austin's brilliant idea and steal it from him without giving him any credit, they better <laughs> they better get the right people for it. It's all right. I'm in the right. business. You've got to know somebody who knows what they're talking about. I'm yeah. sorry. Go ahead, Austin. No, no, I'm good. Yeah, it's you, – you can't – because the people who will be tuning in for that show will be hardcore bettors, so they're not going to be able to be tricked by someone who's just faking it. That's right. A uh, couple. There were a lot of, a um, lot of sort of transactions, if you will, with sideline reporters this week, and um, other, the big. I guess the big one was Doris Burke is staying with ESPN. Uh, d- was there any chance she was leaving ESPN? I would highly doubt it, right? I had not heard about her leaving ESPN. She is very highly thought of there. I mean, you know, her and Louis Riddick are probably, you know, what I mean have the most uh, credit stored in the favor bank amongst executives there where, you know, everybody you talk to just raves about them, you know, so the executives love her, her colleagues love her, you know what I mean? Plus, uh, you know what I mean? She gives them a different look on the coverage. So it, it's just a, a slam dunk for them. Austin, do you think there's any chance Doris will be part of the Breen crew in terms of analysis at the table instead of a sideline reporter next year, or do you think it's sideline reporters still? 
You know, I haven't heard anything, but would it, would, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, it would surprise you. I mean, she, she knows her stuff inside and out better than just about anybody I, I've seen out there. Yeah. So it, it wouldn't surprise me if ESPN pulled a move like that. I don't, I don't know what ESPN thinks of Mark Jackson. I would assume they love Van Gundy because he's great. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if they'd ever swap Doris, swap out Mark Jackson and bring in Doris uh, next to Van I, Gundy. I think it's highly likely. I mean, you know, Van Gundy or especially Jackson, who's the more likely one to leave. Why not? I mean, they've been definitely trying to do this. You know, they've, they've put, you know, female talent in some very uh, big positions. Sam Ponder taking over from Chris Berman uh, and other things. So I, I think it would be a, a move that right up their alley. Right. And then you got Allie LaForge. Oh, go ahead, Austin. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say it, it'd be seamless. I think it would be. She, she just, she, she'd fit right in. Yeah. And Allie LaForce is gone from CBS and the SEC sidelines, and she's now at Turner. Uh, and that's a straight NBA sideline gig for Allie, I assume? Well, the, the Turner thing hasn't been announced yet. But oh, okay. from what I understand, she's finalizing a deal with Turner where she's going to work uh, the March Madness uh, and uh, NBA on TV. I'm hearing even maybe a lead reporter, lead sideline reporter to NBA on TV. And the thing about Allie LaForce, too, I mean, let's say Turner gets back into the NFL game. Right. Know, I mean, and they're certainly kicking the tires on the NFL, as everybody does. Will she be a perfect sideline reporter for any kind of Sunday night or Monday night football that's on Turner? Yeah, I mean, who knows what kind of properties they're going to be getting involved with with the launch of this new OTT service. Obviously, it was a big surprise when they got involved with, with the soccer rights there. So, you know, who knows what the future of Turner is as far as the sports landscape. And she could be, uh, you know, on a lot of uh, properties there. Turner, is, they're, they're, they're a big, big they're a big player in this with Bleacher Report and, and the properties they have. And um, I think the NFL there is going to be interesting to see if it sounds like Jimmy Pitaro sort of maybe um, helped soothe the ESPN NFL relationship, right? Austin though, that that seemed to be on the right track now. Yeah, it, it sounds like he's gotten it back on track to where I don't think there's going to be a lot of, or as much headbutting as you may have seen last season. Uh, and then, I know, Mike, you've had a Can couple... Can I just interject yeah, yeah. there? Uh, absolutely, Jimmy? absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, Austin and SPJ and John have done some great reporting there on, on the trouble between, uh, you know, ESPN and the NFL. But one, one thing I am hearing that uh, Jimmy Pitaro might not be able to solve is that there are some folks amongst the owners and some people at the NFL headquarters who kind of blame ESPN in a way for driving this anthem movement, sort of fanning the flames and fanning the coverage of this movement. Uh, you know, it's a story I've heard about from here and there. You know, I don't know what kind of impact it will be, but I do think there are some hard feelings there about how aggressively ESPN is covering their own and TV you're, partner. You're telling me that's coming from the owners of in, 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 the, in the NFL? Yes. Oh. So, the owner, so the owners think it was ESPN who got on a stage on a Friday night and said the players were sons of bitches. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, I'm uh, just saying, it's just to me, there, there's the case of the owners just completely being pathetic. ESPN is not pushing the anthem thing. It was the president who decided to push the anthem thing after it was dead. So, again, that's just, you know, conservative NFL Mike, owners. How much, Mike, how much of that no, what is we, just a byproduct of ESPN having so much tonnage of NFL programming? Yeah, I mean, it is. But, I mean, you know, whoever said that NFL owners were logical? You know what I mean? You know, what we've, what we've all learned over the last uh, couple of years is, in fact, you know, these guys aren't as bright as they think they are. 
and you know they make some horrendous decision making. But you know what I mean. There there is you know what I mean. Some reports out there. Some NFL owners you know what I mean are not happy with ESPN's coverage of the league. You know what I mean. That they feel like you know what I mean. ESPN is too hard on them. Has been pushing the anthem protests. You know what I mean. That maybe you know NBA gets away with murder. Well, you know NFL gets the short end of the stick. Right. Well, those owners are idiots, as far as I'm concerned, because the anthem thing was dead until Donald Trump called the players sons of a son son of a bitches, and then. Like Austin said, ESPN has 87 channels and they're on TV all day. Of course, they have to cover it. So, you know, and like Austin said earlier as well, this became a cable news today show. Good morning, America type of deal, too. It wasn't just an ESPN deal with the anthem. So, And it was pretty much dead this spring until they uh, they passed this rule. I mean, right. it's kind of going away right. again. So they revived it twice. Right. Um, you know, it's funny. We, we've spent a lot of time talking about ESPN. And I know, Mike, you write a lot about them. I'm going to go to Austin first. You know, there's not a ton of talk out there about FS1. Um, And I I went to do a little research just looking at the – I mean, nobody's watching that 5 o'clock show with Jason Whitlock. Doesn't even break the top 150 when I went to look up the ratings. Undisputed, Monday, 182,000 viewers. Friday, 202,000 viewers. Skip Bayless is making, I think, $6 million a year. So before we get to personnel and the shows and all that, let me go to Austin first. You know, these people were all brought in by Jamie Harwitz. He's not there. Is FS1 just going to keep rolling along with these shows that nobody watches and nobody seems to like and just business as is because they have hours to fill and they're cheap to produce except for contracts? Or do you think they'd, you know, maybe try something different and creative and innovative for a change? You know, I think right now it's status quo. I, I but in the near future, who knows? It has not become destination programming, as you can <laughs> saw, as you say, <laughs> evidenced by the numbers. And, you know, people don't necessarily want to tune in to C-Skip, you know, over on FS1. I, I don't think that that move necessarily worked. So whenever his deal is up, I, I don't know that they're going to pay again to keep that sort of talent around. Mike, um, you seem to have a lot of stories about FS1. I, I know you talked about someone's leaving Coward show and someone's leaving the other show. And, I apologize for not knowing exactly how it all goes down because, like I said, no one seems to really care about these shows. Um, what you're, very, you're, you're right. I mean, the, the, the FS1 has been very, very quiet in, the, in the, almost a year since Jimmy Harvest uh, went out the door. You know what I mean? You don't hear from them much. They don't uh, go after ESPN. They don't tweak ESPN. In fact, it's just the opposite. ESPN is throwing punches at them, right. and they're not returning punches. But in terms of the programming itself, I, I think – Look for a status quo, as Austin said. I think Speak for Yourself is going to remain there. Uh, in fact, I think they're going to expand it to two hours. My uh, however, <laughs> we're hearing that Colin Coward is leaving the show uh, by the end of the year. So it'll basically be you know, either Whitlock show completely or maybe they give him another co-host, you know what I mean, like, as it was with Cowherd and Whitlock. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's status quo. I think their real money and their real focus is on big live – uh, sporting events for, you know, uh, Big Fox, right. not FS1. Well, my my only thing is you can do these talk shows and have much cheaper talent and get basically the same number. I mean, listen, it'd be unfair and stupid for me to sit here and judge it off two days of ratings that I checked. But like I said, I checked this Monday and last Friday, and the six, Speak for Yourself doesn't crack the top 150. And now you're telling me they're expanding that show. 
I, that, that's, I mean, how about giving some young people a chance to take it? You know, I look at, you know, I'm, not, I'm biased with this because I love Good Morning Football. They took unknowns, put them there. The show's growing. You know, they had Katie Nolan. They let her go. There, there's different things to be done, and I feel like they're just going to do the same old thing as ESPN does. And it's like, well, what's the point? What, where's the payoff for this? What, what, is, what is going on with your network? I, I think it's just diminishing yeah. returns at some point. Like, how much are you going to pump into something that is only getting 200,000 viewers when, the, like Mike said, you are spending that money on improving your live programming in prime time? I and mean, if you look at what FS1 was able to do in the fall with the combination of, like, the baseball playoffs, and they got a really good slate of football games once they added the Big Ten package, they're, they're seeing some big numbers there, and, and right. that's helping, you know, the program's view, overall viewership. You know, more than maybe, what, what do you, you can increase the morning show by 25, 50,000 viewers here. I mean, for how, I mean how much is that going to cost? Right. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple of points, Jimmy. I think, uh, you know, from everything I heard coming out of the Fox up front in New York, all they were talking about was Thursday night football, Thursday night football, Thursday night football. So they're going to be talking about the big live NFL events. And, you know, FS1, you know, kind of seems on the back burner. And here's a little tip, too, for Skip and uh, and some of the other talk shows there. Maybe they should talk about the sports they actually have. I mean, if you turn into Skip's show, all they do is talk about the NBA. Well, but the I NBA. The whole show. But the NBA moves. But they don't have the NBA. Yeah, but what do you want them to talk about right now? I mean, there's nothing. They're not going to talk Football, about baseball. Baseball. Mixing some sports that Fox they, actually has. I, I, listen, I don't want to. You know, their TV, and I work for a website, but I can tell you this for the website, for SI.com, baseball does not move the needle in any way, shape, or form at all. Yankees will move the needle a little bit, Cubs a little bit. Maybe you get like a good Bryce Harper story. Outside of those three things, nobody clicks on anything about baseball. It's, yeah. it's scary. I mean, listen, I'm a baseball fan. It depresses me. It bums me out. I'd like to write about it more, but there are days where I'm like, all right, I got to tone down the baseball here because people just don't care. And the NBA is a machine with that. And the NBA, it's more about, and as we've seen with Colangelo and J.R. Smith, it's not, it's not about what goes on sort of on the court. It's what goes on off the court that makes that sport what, it, what yeah. it's become. I mean, yeah, we're, we're not, you know, we're not breaking news. It's a personality-driven league. Absolutely, it's personalities. They're, they're like modern superheroes, you know, who go by right. one name. So you know, you can just debate them and talk about them till you know the, the cows come home. And meanwhile, baseball players don't want to have personalities. You know, they get mad if someone bat flips. They get mad if uh, a guy takes too long rounding the bases on a home run. Mike Trout's the best player in the game. Has zero personality. So they, you know, it's a problem for it's completely opposite ends of the spectrum. Right, the famous unwritten rules of baseball. Yeah. Uh, designed so to let's go ahead and take the away. Yankees off of Sunday Night Baseball. Well, uh, uh, <laughs> let's, let's end. Well, I, I have one other thing, but I, I, was, I had a feeling ESPN would back off because they need the Yankees because they're going to show the Yankees about 5,000 more times the rest of the season probably. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you know they don't want to piss off the Yankees too much, and they, there was talk of the Yankees not talking to ESPN. I guess the decision where the you know the ESPN had picked the Yankees for a Sunday night game, and then the following day they have a doubleheader starting at four o'clock. Both games on the road. I think the Sunday night was in Toronto, and then the doubleheader in Baltimore, maybe vice versa. Um, but ESPN backed down, I guess, after a day. Not surprising, right, guys? Not to me. I mean, no. you know, the Yankees are the are the coming team. You know what I mean? Of right now, so I mean, it behooves ESPN to just work with its partners on this one. This was an easy decision to me. You know, I, I agree. I mean. The, the numbers aren't really doing well this season for Sunday Night Baseball, and they've got you know all those Yankees, Red Sox backloaded for the uh, the second part of the season, so they they want to you know yeah. 
keep in favor with the Yankees, I suppose. I'm shocked that homes across America did not tune in in droves just to hear the wisdom of Alex Rodriguez on Sunday Night Baseball. <laughs> that's that's for my ESPN PR friends who know I don't like it. Uh, who, by the way, is a lot better in the studio than he is in the broadcast booth. It's a weird booth. Like the one full game I watch, like poor Jess Mendoza doesn't say a word, and it's like the A-Rod show, and he's just so unlikable. But that's just my own personal opinion. I don't want to drag you guys into that. Um, all right, let me end on a weird one here, and uh, I'm going to go to you, Austin, first. The XFL named Oliver Luck, Andrew Luck's dad, the commissioner, I, I guess, uh, this week. Good move, bad move, won't make a difference. I mean, I guess it sort of means Vince McMahon is serious about the league, but give me your thoughts on Oliver Luck and, and the upcoming XFL. I think while I completely respect Oliver Luck and his <laughs> resume and what he's done in sports, I don't think it's going to make a difference. Right. I, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a real believer in spring football. I, I don't know why there's all this fervor for it, but a lot of people are taking a swing at it. And, you know, I, I just I, I don't see it really getting off the ground. And that's for, you know, spring football across the board. Right. So, uh, but while, you know, bringing Oliver Luck does lend it a lot of credibility, incredible, incredibly well-respected in sports. Okay. Mike? Yeah, I think it's two different things. I think Oliver Luck is, is a smart, respected guy. I, I think, you know, investing in spring football is fool's gold. I, I think the XFL flopped for the first time for its reason. I think what you have here is a billionaire chase, you know, a billionaire's ego trying to make up one of the few failures in his life. And I think that's what's going on here. You know what I mean? Um, billionaires are not people who take no uh, for an answer. So, right. you know, if it didn't work the first time, by golly, it's going to work the second time, and they'll keep trying it until it does. Well, hopefully Vince does not keep trying it. Hopefully after this one flops, <laughs> right. he, he says goodbye. Well, everyone keeps talking about developmental football for the NFL, developmental football. Like, it, it's called college football. Right. Like, that's what it is. Right. And, and even if you want to push, you know, like a developmental league, I guess, for the Johnny Manziel types, you only need one league. And now there's, you know, and you also have the CFL going on, too, where Manziel is. And I, it's a bad job by me as a host. I should have looked up how that game did where he – but he didn't even start. He came off the bench. But I'm sure there was interest uh, – in that game, I bet they have good streaming numbers if they do that. Um, I don't well, know. if he's eventually named the starter, I'm sure they'll promote that. And, yeah, I think you'll see some, you know, a decent number there. Yeah. Yeah, and, Jimmy, if I was going to bet on a sport that actually has a chance of exploding or, or league, it wouldn't be XFL. It would be college football. I mean, here you have a completely decentralized operation. There's no real commissioners. You know what I mean? They do everything they can to shoot themselves in the foot, and it is – you know, just exploding in popularity. People love college football. I mean, a lot of people would argue that it might even be the, the second most popular sport uh, ahead of the NBA. So if I had to place my bet on something, it would be college football, not the XFL. The only part before gambling. Yeah, the, the college football is going to get a big, big boost from the gambling, as Austin just said. Big boost. I mean, I, the one, I, I think college football gets a little oversaturated, but the only people watching, listen, the only people watching ESPN2 at noon on a Saturday. For Iowa Northwestern, besides alums, are gamblers. So the gambling thing will will help big time college football. Yeah, I mean, you know, football is the easiest sport to gamble on. It's what everybody recognizes. It's difficult unless you know what you're doing to wager on the NBA or MLB, but you can wager very easily on football. Yeah, and it's fun. All right, guys, I appreciate it. Uh, hopefully, you enjoyed this. It was a good discussion and. Uh, any, any media topics you'd like to bring up before I close things out? Anything you want to get off your chest? Anything you want to say here before we go on the sports media podcast? 
Any- I, I did see one thing that jumped out at me today. I was watching the new uh, Bomani Pablo show today. Ah, uh, yes, high noon. They, I have that written down here, and I forgot to ask. Go yeah, ahead. and you know, and they they let off with a very interesting thing about LeBron. I was like, oh my god, here they go. It's going to be LeBron versus Michael Jordan for the thousandth time. But instead, they asked a very smart question, which I haven't seen uh, on ESPN, which is, why isn't Trump going after LeBron? You know, LeBron goes after him tooth and nail, calls him a bum says he's not going to the White House, but Trump never goes after LeBron. My answer to that would be, I think you answered your own question earlier, because the NBA didn't shut shut him out of owning a team. I think he's got this this tunnel vision on the NFL because of what you said earlier, but it is a good question. Um, It's a good question, but I I think your thing about him not becoming an owner, I think you hit that right on the head earlier, so that might play into that. Austin, uh, have you checked out High Noon? Any early reviews? Yeah, you know, I watched the initial show a couple days ago, and the, the camera angles are, you know, maybe not my particular taste, but I have a lot of respect for uh, for those two guys. I thought they were always good fill-ins on PTI, and, and I want to see them succeed. I like the big screen they have in the background. It's different. The one thing I went... I it's went, a great view. I, I, went, I, I went on a rant about this in the, in the SI.com office yesterday, though. I'm, I'm just tired of, like, the two people looking at each other at a table. Like, get them some chair. Like, you know, even Barstool, when they do their rundown, they're in Barca lounges. Get a couch. Get to, I just... Stop with the table and the two guys, the desk and the two guys looking at each other. I'm tired of that. <laughs> Get me something. High chairs, like director's chairs, maybe. Something. <laughs> anything different. I just want to look at something different during the day. Right. Like the monster seats at Fenway. You know, they yeah. It. That would be great. I think Katie Nolan did that on her show. Didn't she use the, um, I think she may have used the, the, the seats from a baseball stadium, but. Yeah. You know, it's back to two people facing each other at a table. All right. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Hopefully you enjoyed it. We we'll definitely want to have you on again down the road. And uh, thanks for coming on. No, thanks for having a great time. All right. That wraps up this edition of the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. I thank you for joining me. My thanks to my guests, Austin Karp and Michael McCarthy. Hope you enjoyed it. And we will see you next week. Take care. Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network? the number one daily sports podcast network. Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast. Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility check the back seat check the back seat check the back seat gets in your head right good because every year dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver all never thought it could happen to them but with changes in routines distractions or a sleeping child it can happen to anyone parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly so get it in your head check the back seat 
A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.